Hello listeners, it's Rebecca McCallum here, Assistant Editor at Girls Magazine and Senior Contributor at Moving Pictures Film Club. And I'm excited to share the news with you that I have launched a new podcast called Talking Hitchcock, which explores the world and the work of the director. Each episode, I invite you to join me and special guests in my screening room to dissect one of Hitchcock's films or to post-show drinks for topic-led discussions on everything connected to the Hitchcockian universe. You can listen to Talking Hitchcock on all podcasting streaming services, including Apple and Spotify. And find us over on Twitter at Hitch underscore pod and Instagram at TalkingHitchPod. You can find and follow me on socials at PendlePumpkin. And I look forward to you joining me soon. Take care and keep talking Hitchcock. and welcome back to The Pod and the Pendulum, the horror movie podcast covering all horror movie franchises, one movie in one episode at a time. I'm your host, Mike Snoonian, and joining us today in the co-host chair all the way from the West Coast and recording this bright and early today. I think I have him up way earlier than anyone should be awake to record right now from the Spectre Cinema Film Club, Devon Taylor. Devon, how are we? Hello, hello. Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, Yeah, I actually tweeted the other day. I was like, yo, you guys would be surprised how many podcasts I record a hungover. And uh, I will say a, a couple of those have been this one because we typically do these ones in like the morning mm-hmm. daytime, but not hungover today, just sleepy because I did like the full marathon. Well, I watched the two of them last night and then I watched the third one this morning. Mm-hmm. And you always bring the fire despite being hungover or tired. You always bring the hot takes. And that's why we love having you on here, even as Dante is in the background there kind of not too thrilled <laughs> oh i mean yeah uh, yeah I, I this is uh, i guess a franchise that i do have a, a bit of a spicier take about uh mm-hmm. for sure you know i you know uh, i it's funny like when doing this show because obviously you know we like hop on on the sequels that we like want to do or like the ones and I, I do a pretty good job of like i usually like hop on the ones that like i know are gonna be the ones and then I skipped the second one and I was like, damn, I wish I would have did the second one because I actually really like that one. But I yeah. but I was smart to not do the first one because I know how much Mary Beth loves that movie and I didn't want to like break her heart in real time. So I was like, I will not do the first Hell House LLC, so I'll do the third. <laughs> well, let's talk about that then, you know, because we haven't had you on the other two. And this is like, I can tell you just from going through the numbers, um, usually when because we're not a show that necessarily covers new release movies. Like, really, the only three new releases that we've done would be, like, Halloween Ends, Scream when it came out last year, and then Scream 6 this year. Oh, and Evil Dead Rise. So Mm -hmm. four movies. And 
obviously when we do like a popular new horror movie like the numbers go up typically uh scream six and halloween ends are probably like the two fastest episode like the biggest growth episodes that we've had and they Mm -hmm. just happen to like come out and the numbers go way up and then they go you know level out to whatever is normal so we did evil dead rise and we got like a big boost off of that then we did hell house and that was that actually rocketed past evil dead rise oh wow yeah, it is like the third fastest, you know, to a certain number episode. It's it's just a it's was pleasantly surprised by how popular that episode was, um, and I think people really love the Hell House movies. I think you know we obviously have new listeners as well, but people really love that movie. The second movie. The numbers are about where they normally are, which is still really good. Like we have a a lot of great listeners, but you know, but what is your take? Like, what was your take on this series as a whole and the first couple movies before we get to Hell House 3? Yeah, so I didn't know about this franchise until this one came out. I remember this one came out and I think like I think people like knew about but wasn't like being talked about a bunch so it was like somewhat of a surprise so people were like oh hey hell house hell three uh three is here and um and I was like wait three I was like wait there's two other ones what what's going on here so I was like kind of confused um because I I just didn't even know about them uh even me being like a big found footage fan and uh and I know that people really rate the first one pretty highly. People Ooh. are you know, I see Maybe people mention it as like there. one of the scariest so films wait. ever with some of like, you know, the of course like the clown scenes and stuff like that. And what happened? I've seen people rate it like very highly, especially like people that love found footage. And and I remember the first time I watched it being so disappointed. Like I thought it was so underwhelming and I was just like and I didn't know if it was like a hype thing. And I just, uh, I, it did not do it for me. Like, it had a couple good scares, but, like, it, it just nothing about it really worked. And then, so then with, that, with the hype dissipated, I was like, okay, let me, for this, let me go ahead and watch them all three again. And I watched the first one again, and I felt, like, exactly the same. I was like, no. I was wow. like, I was like, this, it just really isn't that hitting it for me. Um, and I just, like, I, like, I've been kind of just confused on, like, I mean, I get why people like it because it does have good scares, but, like, aside from the scares, everything around it does not work for me. Like, I find it such a very stiff movie. And, okay. And so it's like, I mean, I get why people enjoy it and why, I, why they think it's scary. I can see that, but I don't see why people think it's, like, very good. Um, like, I can, well, like, because you can I admit think- something is scary without admitting that it's a good movie yeah sure and you could even admit like a movie is good without like being say like well this movie isn't for me like there's plenty of movies that like mandy is a good example like people know how i've gone in that yeah. movie like look i understand mandy is a well-made movie and nick cage is like giving a hell of a performance in that movie but like that movie is you know decidedly like not for me um what do you think it is about like, you say it's like stiff and I'm wondering what you mean by the movie feeling stiff like it doesn't have it doesn't have an energy to it like and I feel like that's such a big proponent in found footage and like that's the thing like I mean I'll admit when a movie's not for me but like this should be for me like I, this is like the kind mm-hmm. of stuff that I love so like you know I'm not you know yep. knocking it on that basis 
but it just uh, it doesn't have like a, a like it doesn't have like any spirit to it, and like the, all the characters are just awful. Like, like I mean, I know that's kind of the point with a couple of them, but like they are just all unredeemable, right. and like and and the stuff in between the scares is just so very uninteresting, especially for what they could have done with the you know preparing for the haunted house angle and all that jazz. Like, I feel like it could have they could have had a really good like steady descent into madness versus mm-hmm. just seeing one character freak out, nobody believing them, and then and then the finale felt so underwhelming with like they set up that, you know, footage at the beginning. It's supposed to be like very scary and then I'm like, oh yeah, but really like nothing happens. People go down to the basement and then they turn around and run back out, except for the couple people that got uh, uh, sacrificed, I guess. But like, I don't know. It did, so the first one just uh, didn't work, and then so so I had such low so, expectations going into the so second. So tell me, tell me about the second one then, because you are definitely in the minority in that you're like yeah the second one like two thumbs up like we'll watch again (laughs) and i i don't know if it's partially because i had like such low expectations especially after just rewatching the first one again so like i was really just like all right let's go ahead and get these sequels over with and then the second one ended up being such a like fun surprise it had energy like it it had the end like yes like the acting uh, is a little cheesy here and there and it definitely goes in a way different direction than the first that I can see why people were down on because it kind of ditches more of the haunted house stuff and goes more into the lore and history of the town and I really mm-hmm. like that I thought the way that they kind of built out this like legend in this little town of Abaddon like actually felt pretty legit even though the movie kind of feels a little more cinematic than the first one it still feels like a, a real world kind of being fleshed out in it I found it very interesting and and you guys called it out you know um that it, it, at the beginning I was like oh this they're just ripping off of Grave Encounters for this one and they do mm-hmm. but I also love Grave Encounters though so maybe that's why the second one worked for me so well cuz it very much does have the Grave Encounters energy but it does it in its own way and does kind of tweak it to make it work within again this like kind of conspiracy world of the little town of Abaddon so like the mm-hmm. second one really worked for me. Andy Tolley was fucking lit. Uh, he was. Uh, I, I'm a sucker for like the voice modulation stuff and like his like some of his uh, deliveries. And I think it has just as many uh, good scares as the first, if not maybe a couple more. And like, yeah, even some of the editing is like more traditional horror style editing than the first one. I know that's why people like the first one. It's like more minimal and everything. But you know, I don't know. I I, I need yeah. a little more energy. I know with the second one, what I really liked, and we said this on the episode, was like that first half hour is what really works for me when it gets into like what happened after the Hell House crew disappeared and you're getting into like all these other people that are like, oh, I'm going to break into the hotel and like steal a memento. Um, That really worked for me. And if it was, if that were the whole movie, like just that, that would really... I'd be like a very solid entry. I think where it fell off for me is that it kind of becomes like every other found footage movie I've seen where it's like a spook blast for the last half hour and everybody is just running around with the camera on. And then some of the, we've discussed some of the acting and um, 
especially with like Andy Tully, Andrew Tully, he becomes very Bond villainy. Like I think to the point where, you know, Donald Pleasance and Dr. No is like, let's wrap this up, brother. We got a, <laughs> we got a evil plot to engineer here. And if your whole plan is we need to get more guests for the hotel, just again, I said this last week, but offer some free Wi-Fi and HBO and mints on the pillow. But see, he, but he's doing works. what you would do is you would get the media. You're trying to resurrect mm-hmm. your hotel what does you do you get the media and you say hey come on in i give you full access and like so like hey he's 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 out here mm-hmm. trying uh, it, it makes sense at le- uh, somewhat to okay. me at least okay so you were 50 50 so far in the series you weren't a fan of the first one second one got you excited now we get to the movie we're going to discuss today hell house 3 hell house llc 3 the lake of fire where did you come? What were your initial thoughts on this one when you uh, got up early this morning and you know poured the cinnamon toast crunch, had a little little coffee, little breakfast cereal, and now you're sitting down. Is that the what is the breakfast of choice for? Well, you, what is? Well, I, I'm a big breakfast boy. It's actually my favorite meal of the day, so I eat mm-hmm. many breakfast meals. Uh, today uh, was a little bit apt. I just ordered some McDonald's brekkie because I didn't feel like cooking while I was trying to take mm-hmm. notes. Uh, and I got the most watered down orange juice I've ever had in my life. Ooh. And that was this movie. Uh, this movie, uh, is not This movie is hot trash. Uh, I, wow. it, and it's so funny cause like we don't, uh, we don't typically like review movies we don't like on Spectre Cinema. So, uh, this is a rare form you're getting Mike in, in me. Uh, okay. I, I was, not happy with this movie. I'm so glad I saved it to the morning because if I would have, because mm-hmm. I debated, I was like, do I power through the night and I, you know, s- uh, stay on the high of two and then just watch this third one at 3 a.m. Uh, and then I was like, I was like, no, I need to take better notes. So I'll save it. I'll save it for the morning. Thank goodness because I wouldn't have been able to go to sleep because I would have been so mad afterwards. Oh my <laughs> God. You could have like texted me. At two in the morning, our time, or four in the morning, like you need to get up. If you're making me watch this piece of trash, you're recording this while I'm at my peak anger. And I think I would have been up for it. I think it would have been like, absolutely, let's let's fucking go. Um, so tell me, so you're saying this is like hot trash for you? This is this is trash like the lowest of the low but okay not the lowest of the low because there's there's a couple good scares in here. I'll like there's a couple a couple good moments. But it, what very what it very much feels like, and uh, and I can't fault the filmmakers for going this route because it makes sense for for the general consensus is this movie is so much trying to backpedal what two did and recreate the magic of number one, and that just doesn't work for me. Like if you're gonna right. like if it, like I, again I know that people really love the first one, so of course like with the response to the second one that's the thing to do but i don't know steven you gotta double down like you were going somewhere with the second one and you were going to a different place i feel like and then i feel like the reception kind of made them be like okay no we just got like it felt it feels like a requel almost like it was very weird um because like they even the logic the stupid stuff that this movie does to try to ignore the second one uh, you know, like, you know, they, we got a whole, you know, set of people missing from the second movie and yet they're still talking about Alex and the gang and like, you know, and they, 
and with the the interactive uh, play. So it's like, again, like people were bummed out that the second one didn't have the haunted house angle stuff to it. Uh, so they're like, okay, we got to bring that back in. We got to do this. And it just it, like, and, and like a uh, win felt so much like Alex. And it was just like, this, this is all tired and boring. And it was also stiff and worse acting and, uh, no way. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. There is no one in this movie that is worse than Molly in part two. Okay, I didn't say that. Like, but yeah, okay. like yes, Molly. That is, except Molly's Molly's like uh, scarce scene. Like when she did come back in and like is like explaining the walkie-talkie stuff. I actually bought that. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, she's uh, yeah, she's pretty bad. I, I will yeah, say that. It's okay. <laughs> so my initial viewing of this was when it came out on Shutter and. I remember not being super excited for it because I loved the first movie. I thought Hot Part 2 was a bit of a letdown, and I'm like, don't really know what they can really do to redeem the series at this point. And we kind of talked about it in our first episode on the franchise. Like, I think this is a franchise that doesn't need to be a franchise. I think that, for me, that first movie is just such a nice little, like, encapsuled found footage slash haunted attraction subgenre horror movie that like I don't really need a part two or three yet that is the nature of the show so here we are um when I watched part three I thought it was a step above part two kind of in between like it kind of was a nice little rebound for me overall there are a lot of things I enjoyed about it and then preparing for this show I watched it last a couple weeks ago immediately after watching part two uh, and my poor wife had to sit through like half a part two and all a part three with me while we were watching it in bed having never seen part one and having no idea what was going <laughs> oh, no. on um and then i rewatched it again last night actually before hitting that we actually may have even who knows like kind of like watching it at the same time considering our time zones are so far apart from one another um and i think that i in, uh, enjoy this movie a little bit more not a hell of a lot more but a little bit more each time i rewatch it and it's funny two of the things that you say like that really irritate you about this movie are two of the things that I find in its favor. So let's get <laughs> into it right now. Let's, this should be a fun, I, you know, it's funny off air. I'm like, I think we'll do this one in 60 minutes today. I think this will be one of the shorter episodes. Cause I'm going to let you know, folks, like we have some big movies coming up. Like we're going to be covering jaws. I don't see us doing jaws in less than three hours. <laughs> All right. Right. And I think that might be broken up into a couple parts. Um, we got all the Saw movies coming up. So again, like I think those will all be big. So sometimes we just need like a little like a little appetizer. But let's see where this goes now. <laughs> this might be pretty interesting. Um what you said you didn't like about this was that it goes back to the basics. Like number one, um, the structure of the movie 
is much more like the first movie mm-hmm. in that it goes back to being like a pseudo documentary. You even bring back uh, my favorite character actor, Theodore, as like, I don't really know what he is. Like, he just kind of narrates every now and again, but no one really says what his role in this whole thing is. He's like, well, I could have told you what a bad idea it was when this guy bought the hotel. Or like, okay, but who the fuck are you? Like, um, He's even brought back to be a talking head. It's structured more like a pseudo documentary than like a hodgepodge of footage, which I think part two really is. Yeah, like it, yeah, because... It, I mean, it already, I mean, in the third one, it already kind of loses part of the conceit that they have for the first two is like, it, what one thing I love is like that we know who assembled the footage and then they are mm-hmm. char- prominent characters in the next movie. I think that's really cool. That's like Mitchell's name was mentioned, it, you know, he was Diane's boyfriend at the first one. And then so he's the one that collects the footage from the first movie. And so he basically made hell house llc the movie uh in the universe i think that's cool him then being the main character for the next one and then in and then uh we see at the beginning of the second one that uh when uh, uh put the footage together for this one and um and and it was his like media company and all that um so it's like but then so okay then who put this film together because by the end of this movie i mean uh all the cameras are in the portal to hell basically. So it's like who, uh, you know, like who put together the ones for this one, especially like with the, the weird coda ending that we'll of course get to. Um, (laughs) wait, are they, where did you, I didn't get the idea that the cameras were all sucked into hell. Well, I, well, we don't know. And because at the beginning of this, it doesn't present who put this footage Mm -hmm. together. Okay. And then we don't we don't have an ant- and nobody survives this. So who put this footage together? We like it, this one it doesn't even bother versus oh, it's such an integral everybody, part. Oh no, like everybody survives this. The only person that's not alive at the end of this one is Win. Everybody else is like brought back from the dead. Is we'll get to the end of the movie, I guess. Oh, you, you uh, think what's her, to it. you think what's her face isn't also a ghost at the end of this one? Vanessa? Yeah. I think it's like very much explicit that they're not ghosts at the end of it, that like everybody was brought back. Like he Mm. was able, I think that's even made explicit in the movie that they were all brought back from death and like there were no deaths aside from. Aside from Wynn sacrificing himself. I could be wrong. I mean, like that's an interesting. I, I don't know because again like that that like the the limbo scene we get at the end makes it very confusing um, mm-hmm. so it's like uh, I, like I didn't get that vibe at all but again okay. but that's also the detriment of this movie that it just doesn't feel as coherent in kind of sure. you know the I guess uh, the the rules of the house and like what is truly happening mm-hmm. because like in the second one like we get this big speech from Tolly and him basically explaining what's like going on and then it doesn't go into that kind of stuff in this third one like it, it mm-hmm. you know of like what he truly wants so it's like it because if if everybody's just still alive and they're brought back like I, I mean I guess because the gate was closed maybe I don't know like it this movie so, it's so messy so I think in the third movie I think what we see here is like Tully thinks he's getting what he's what he wants. He's like he has a hotel that is like packed full of quote unquote guests. Like you have all of the participants in Insomnia. You have Wynn. You have the documentary crew, and then you have like all the paying customers of 
uh, for insomnia. So you have like a hundred people, give or take, like in the hotel. And he's like, great, a hundred more guests. But in all act- actuality, like they are saved by Wynn. And like Wynn is the only sacrifice. That's how I kind of took is the end of this movie. And I can get where that's confusing because like there is no climax of this movie. I mean, like, it, the, it's confusing, it, but it, it, it still doesn't also answer who put the footage together. I know where the footage came from. I know like there were yeah. people in the house that had the cameras and everything, okay. but it's just like who put this together, who found the yep. footage. You know, I feel like that's that's uh, kind of important to me, at least when it comes to a lot of found footage films, sure. because that adds to the, the layers and like the 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 connectiveness because yeah the the structure of two is a little is very different um but i feel like it's a nice evolution and like kind of makes sense in the world versus the way that this one's put together Mm -hmm. it's kind of put together again like the first one but like okay but now who is it getting put together for because they're not trying to cover it up as a conspiracy anymore or is it still Mm -hmm. you know like and now with the sudden change of like what happened it it just you know so you know if I feel like this film gets the furthest away from having reason to exist as a found footage, like in the universe, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why I like it as a pseudo doc. The second movie is definitely a found footage movie. The first, first and third ones are more like that Lake Mungo style documentary. And to, back up your point like one thing i think that does support your point is there's a scene in this movie like when vanessa goes to win's hotel and they kind of like break into his room for all intents and purposes and his computer screen is open and it's showing footage from the second movie which at that point was like unrecovered footage like nobody knew what had happened to mitchell and the crew of like whatever the vice style um investigative team was like they didn't had not known what had happened to them at that point so in in this movie universe like the second movie had not even come out yet so it hadn't come out yet but it was still made by his company though so like what made by his so we were so so you're saying hell's llc2 as a screener we we, yes. we we watched a screener yeah. essentially because we basically watched a screener. We watched a rough cut. You know, we were watching the. That is true because in the third movie they don't mention the work print. Yeah, because they that because in the third movie they don't mention yeah the the second. Right. You know, they would have mentioned that when they were talking about like oh yeah he has this media company and he pr- he purchased and put out the footage to yeah. the other one because like you said um in in the third one Mitchell and company are still missing. Uh, mm-hmm. They they haven't been like ruled dead or anything, and nobody's right. even talked about it. They they do make like one reference at the end of this movie when like Theodore Bulokos's character, I think Robert, like one of the the talking head in the movie that doesn't really have a purpose in the movie. Maybe he's supposed to be a town historian, but that's never really brought up again (laughs) um he says like well we now know what happened to like mitchell and the other morning mysteries crew like we know what happened there so they reference they're referencing the second movie at that point like that's when the footage for that movie is like discovered and maybe cut together i yeah i took the end of this movie as being like okay we have everybody is is survived and what we're showing is like these are the survivors of you know, that fire at the Abaddon when the hotel burned down. So maybe it's Wynn's 
because uh, you know, it's made reference like that wins media conglomerate. It's going to still continue like that's the only thing that they didn't get Did to Jeff solve. Live? Or maybe I it's... guess so. So I guess it'd be yeah, Jeff. I think Jeff lived. Um, and it's funny, Jeff, Jeff Stone, I hear that name and like that was the former CEO of a company I used to work for. Uh, so whenever I hear that, I have like the shakes, but that's neither here <laughs> nor there. Um, I just lost track of thought there for a sec. Sorry. So I thought like they were putting, I thought like either wins, the remains of wins company is putting out, or maybe even like morning mysteries is going to put this out. Did you catch like when you, cause you watch two and three so close to each other. Did you catch the references to in part two to Russell Wynn that were kind of like setting up the third movie? Oh yeah. Like I, like I like, because they obviously, like you said, like since they showed at the beginning, I put that name in my head because I was like, this is okay. This is the, the finder of the footage. So this person might be important. And I thought it was like cool into that. Like, yeah, they like just like kind of peppered it in. Uh, yeah, I love the little chalkboard with the guest names on mm-hmm. it. And he was like the last one listed. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, which is a, which is a kind of a cool little thing. And I like that the second one never like actually shows him, but like they, they mentioned him a couple times. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought I thought that was a, a cool little thing, um, uh, and then, um, but yeah, I don't know. It was like, again, like it, it kind of felt like this. Like I don't know if it was supposed to be going for like a repeating history type deal with like uh, Russell Wynn kind of still being uh, similar to Alex. Like he's supposed to like he like you know he like kind of makes a point to like make himself sound better than Alex, but it's just like no, you may be more rich than Alex, but you guys are the same people. Um, so mm-hmm. I feel like the I don't know if that's supposed to be like maybe a kind of thing with it of like the house like kind of uh, you know influences uh, these recurring events like kind of the way that like the Evil Dead franchise is like explained in a way that's like oh yeah got it these are all like coincidences is that happen in the same fashion. Um, but I don't know, I guess now I'm maybe getting a little bit tired of that. And that aspect just, um, I, I felt a little bit let down by, um, uh, you know, what, what we were going for with Russell. And I feel like, and then the end, they try to do a big sidestep with, uh, the reveal about Russell that like, Oh no, mm-hmm. he wasn't the ultimate demon. He's actually yeah. an angel. <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll definitely, so like, definitely talk about that. Um, my counterpoint to that is I really like the fact that this movie focuses more on the original Hell House LLC crew in terms of like who they're referencing when they reference the backstory. Because I thought one of the shortcomings of the second movie is like the focus on like whatever happened to Diane, like the documentarian who you really only see on screen for five minutes at the end of the movie. Uh, Like it's all about finding her. And I'm like, I don't give two shits about this woman. Like, why do I want to watch 90 minutes of, why do I want to watch like 90 minutes of this, like neckbeard dude trying to like hunt her, you know, hunt for her. Whereas like with this one, I liked, I, and I'm someone who really enjoys when these, it's like what George Lucas says with the prequels versus the original trilogy, original trilogy, it's poetry. I really enjoyed when they're showing all these little parallels to the Hell House crew, things like the crew walking into the hotel and like seeing the footage from the first movie or when the camera would start to glitch out and you would see snippets of the first movie 
interspersed uh, into this one. I found that stuff some of the better parts of this movie. The fact that like the focus was back on Alex and Sarah and Mac and Paul. Um, I enjoyed that part of it because that was the the hook to me of the first movie. Like I liked that crew. Oh, that's so funny. I, like, like it's so funny how like we are complete opposites on this mm-hmm. because like, cause I get like that. That's what the film was maybe going for of like, like, cause like in, by the time in this third film, it's like, Oh my God. Like the way that the footage, like, like, the previous footage is introduced is like, Oh yeah, look, it's like, we're looking back on good memories with the gang. And I was just like, I never liked them. Like I, <laughs> like, I, I, like, I don't get like, like I, I, they were all bad. Like, I don't know. Like I, I like I, like, so like from, so I guess from not having that established like connection with them from the first one, um, it doesn't go with me for the rest of the films. You know, so, so, uh, yeah, so, like, I did, it's not that I cared for Diana, but, like, I cared for the, like, what Diana was doing, like, because Diana represented not the, not the haunted house gang portion of it, she's the, like, trying to get into, like, okay, why is this town, like, uh, some people are trying to keep this under wraps, and people are trying to do this, you know, and, like, kind of the, so, like, so, so that's why I cared that like, you know, we kind of spent more focus on that versus like in this next one, it's like, it's like, we're like, look at, it's like a, like the final, like an episode in like a final season of a TV show when it's like, uh huh, let's look back at this moment for, and, and because after watching like the phantasm movies, which like recontextualize the way I think about using previous footage in films. And I say that in a positive light for the phantasm movies. In this one, I felt like I watched so much of the first movie again uh, in kind of like, you know, they they want to set it up like in the universe because like there's been all these different unauthorized documentaries. They've There's been the social media people kind of doing stuff. And it kind of has like it, it has that effect of like when you hear so much about victims of a tragedy, you feel like you know them and that like, you know, that they were like kind of your pals and stuff. And mm-hmm. so, like, I guess I understand it in the context of the movie. It's just for me that I just never liked them to begin with. I thought they were literally all awful people and annoying. Okay. So it's like I, I was never into, so I never had, like, the, the connection. So, like, yeah, them leaning so much into that. And not even, you know, we see, like, Ghost Sarah in this one from the second one. And then we see Ghost Diana it, for, like, a moment. But, like that's it and like they 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 mentioned mitchell once in this one like they did not care about the people from two in this film but like wanted to keep uh reminding us about like uh again the, the good old times with the the hell house gang right got it okay i and i get that if you don't like the crew from the first movie i can understand where another movie that is all about especially when it comes to the coda which i want to close with when we get to the end of the uh, end of our discussion here i do want to end with that coda so that being said what do you think of this crew of persons like where were you and maybe we'll discuss like russell on his own but the crew that you're asked to follow here like vanessa as the new host of morning mysteries and you have jane you have max gregory uh you have like this core like the three main actors and then also like Russell's assistant Jeff and I'm trying to find 
the other dude who was kind of like the behind this. I guess that would be. Why can't I find him? I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Oh, Harvey. 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 Yeah. That's it. Harvey. What do you think of like? How do you feel about following this crew around for 90 minutes? I mean, I think, I think it was. Um, I think it's fun following. Like, okay, if we're gonna again, like, kind of do the the show in the house like kind of deal like okay then yeah let's let's hang out with this crew and like uh kind of get like the the meta you know actors being annoying and people you know producers dealing with stuff and and then that's all fine for me um but i guess if they if wins company already has a media group then why did they need to hire the morning news people again you know, like they could have just like done it themselves because like Vanessa and Je- uh, like uh, Vanessa is just kind of like uh, she's whatever. Like like mm-hmm. she she like they're like, oh, yeah, you replaced that last girl and you got you actually got spunk and I actually like you. And I was like, no, nah, I thought Stacy was better. Like in, in the just even in that little her little green screen sit down. I liked her more than Vanessa in this film. Really? How? Vanessa she's- is milk toast. Uh, oh my goodness! Uh, no, no shade to to the actress. She has a very hard last name to pronounce, so I'm not going to try it. But um, she she does nothing for me, so I'm like, I don't really need her and uh, her uh, camera guy Louie. They didn't they didn't add anything to it, and if they kind of just had a uh, wins company filming from within, I think would have worked just fine. I don't think we really needed See, it besides to connect her back to morning news, but. I, I thought the other host from the second movie, it honestly, she delivered a lot of her lines like she was like snorting Xanax like before every take. Like she was so. Oh, the the girl that mellow. Jessica Fox and, from the from the second one. No, no, because oh. Jessica isn't from Morning Mysteries. Like, yeah, Jessica no, she was the, her own thing. The, yeah, she was the like vice, but not vice. Yeah, the inside. I'm talking about like the the woman who was like hosting the show. Oh, yeah. In, I thought like she to me like every line was delivered like she was super mellow where like Vanessa had like a little bit more of a go getter bit to her overall. I I just found it like what I found implausible is you have like this this character like Russell Wynn who is set up kind of like a your eccentric millionaire type like he's like a Zuckerberg or an Elon Musk type like he's like oh yeah like my favorite show is this local television like local upstate new york like morning tv show that does mysteries like he's like i've i've watched all of them and i can compare hosts like that might be the most implausible part well, of these i find that implausible but i also find it implausible that why would morning news again even want to be involved with this knowing what happened with the last people like even though it was not them in the last movie like mm-hmm. but the inside the chick she called into morning news so they know about her and they knew about mitchell and they know all the things like mitchell's last known appearance was on their show and so Mm -hmm. so so again so like in this third movie of uh again like trying to come up with reasons on how this hotel is able to function in this town why nobody else in the town has like tried to do anything except for the reporters um you know like so so I just don't buy like why morning news would want to get involved with this to begin with. So again, it kind of uh, dampens like the, the found footage conceit for me mm-hmm. with the logic. Well, none of the morning 
Mystery's crew went missing. No, like, but none but of they, them went But into they those. know. But Mitchell was literally the person there, and they had the fucking spooky shit when they were yeah. when they're like, oh yeah, that actually wasn't uh and Anders mm-hmm. that we were supposed to interview and like that whole thing. So right. it's like they they knew they they witnessed weird shit and they still chose yeah. to do this. I you know I. I I would bet that like those episodes were massive rating hits, right? I mean, think of like Jerry Springer. Like Jerry Springer, how many times did he take like a chair to the face, or you know, like how many times did he have like a pair of like I got my cousin pregnant episodes, and then like things devolved into anarchy. And at a certain point, you would think like, hey, you know, maybe I shouldn't do shows like this anymore. But then you look at like your bank statement and you're like, no, I'm totally cool about talking about cousins that fuck, you know, for the rest of my life. I mean, if you're Morning Mysteries and you're this like rinky dink little morning show in upstate New York, that like the stuff about like people disappearing into the Abaddon is probably getting your best ratings and that's bringing in the most money so why wouldn't you especially if you have this guy like oh it's russell Wynn, like he's a millionaire himself he's this really interesting dude we're gonna make a ton of money if we can kind of follow this story to its end you you know what would have i think would have made vanessa and like the the morning news angle more interesting for me is if there was like another like a competing media group but like a bigger one from Mm -hmm. outside the town because like yeah i know this is like the small town or whatever but we also know in this universe people post this stuff to youtube and facebook Mm -hmm. and the internet and stuff uh so we all know that's a thing so it's like i think that would have been cool if there was like like a, a like big media hot shot that was like competing with the small morning news right. crew to like get the you know the full scoop and access and stuff i think that might have uh, made it a little oh. bit more interesting for me but uh it didn't um i don't know otherwise so, i could have just like done without two less characters and focus yeah. in on like the in-house people you know you do raise like a really good point like you do raise a really good point in that number one why would someone like russell win like why would this main character want to allow such like a small operation you know basically give them like unfettered access to everything that they're doing like they're in all of the behind closed door meetings they are um getting access to every single thing when number one why would you want to have them in to begin with when you plan on doing what you're going to do yes why would you want to okay but number two number two you have like your own far more vast resources to put put something really polished together like if your idea is to leave behind a document to convince people like there is righteousness in this world and there are good deeds and good acts and salvation you could probably make a much better documentary yourself than like your local news station could if you had taken the angle where maybe like Vanessa is undercover and she's a plant on the inside and they're getting all of this access to this footage underneath his nose without him knowing per se, that might have been like a more interesting 
way to approach it. Yeah, because it's like, I feel like they weren't thinking about this end twist that they had planned for the end with Russell's character in mind. Why are you going to make him this creepy, sketchy red herring? Even though Mm -hmm. something within me did tell me, I was like, he's not going to be like the main evil person here. Um, I was calling it to be Jeff. It surprisingly wasn't, I guess. But um, Uh I thought thought Jeff was going to be like revealed to be like the secret uh, Mephisto Uh character or something. But yeah, so no. like so that so the ending with Russell contradicts everything that we see before it just for the sake of having that weird twist at the end rather than making his motivations for the rest of the movie make sense cuz yeah, like if he was going to do what he was going to do then well it, yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> no, Jeff is just a very super competent keeps the you know keeps the trains running on time keeps everything on schedule like has his shit handled and he's just given way too much to do uh by this guy this eccentric millionaire that is like yeah just shit make it happen and and, and, and that's why it would have been finds a way to and that's why it would have been funny because i did like the because they have like the recurring joke like everybody like calls him dad and calls him boring and like all the stuff mm-hmm. throughout so then like it would have been funny of him like having like a man, the maniacal villain turn at the end to be like ah no you you think i'm boring if, now <laughs> like you know like i don't know if if Jeff wanders on set in a full like S and M gear, you know, and you're like nothing else, just like whoops, uh, not that kind of party, I guess, and then slowly wanders off. That might be. Imagine if just uh, just uh, before you know Jeff is about to get got, instead he just turns to Andrew Tolley and gives him like an Arnold fucking handshake, and then it's like, oh mm-hmm. no, they're actually a tag team. It's a heel turn. It's a- <laughs> Hey, and if Jeff, Andy Tully knows if, how to cut a promo, so I if, mean, it would have made sense. If Russell and and Andrew are swearing <laughs> up, and then like Jeff hits hits Russell over the head with a steel chair, you get by God, he broke that man in half. I mean, I oh. again, I would not have been surprised because at the end we do have Russell trying to throw hands with Andy Tully, so like mm-hmm. that would have been just so funny. Yeah, but. Andy Tully is a frail old man. I mean, he really, he looks like he, he looks like the bad guy from Poltergeist 2 and 3 at the end of the day. Like, he's just this kind of skeletal old dude. What do you make of Russell's character? I got a a fair idea, but like, I, the eccentric millionaire, uh, Russell Wynn, um, what do we make of this character? And is he interesting to follow for an hour and change here again no because like knowing where it goes knowing where it goes to the end now looking back it it, it looks even more just like i don't know like because uh, one we're kind of seeing this character in a lot of movies these days obviously you know mm-hmm. uh, people want to take jabs at these people and i'm all for it but like i don't know it's kind of like this guy it's kind of the, the standard kind of typical stuff and they, you know, kind of give him this weird behavior, but all that weird behavior is is him just being a red herring. It's not him mm-hmm. actually, like, being weird for uh, a reason or anything like that, you know? So just, yep. like, the the way that he, um, he's portraying, then, like, you know, they, they give him the big old scar on his face, and, and that's, again, like, yeah, they tell you where the scar comes from, but, like, nothing comes into play. I thought his face was going to get ripped there or something mm-hmm. and it's just like no the scar's just there to make you wonder um you know These so i don't know very low budget movies i These know very... but i'm just saying like no. they're putting they're 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 making these choices for a reason. So like if you're going to make mm-hmm. these choices, 
I don't know. Like, like I feel like that's a lot of the movie to me is making choices that lead that either lead to nowhere or lead to something that doesn't make sense. Everything just kind of feels empty, like the things yeah. that they're choosing to do. So I kind of feel that with just mm-hmm. like a lot of just minor details. Right. Right. I think one of the things that I noted in this one is it's very churchy. Not just the fact that you have like two scenes like set in an actual church with an actual priest, but you've gone from, you know, the, uh, it's a movie about like demons and portals to hell and whatnot, but it doesn't necessarily feel like a very preachy or a very like God based movie. And then in this third movie, you have like a swift turn where <laughs> all of a sudden it's pitched as like God, literally like the the narrative conceit of the movie is like they're filming Faust. They are doing like God versus Satan. And uh, it's like a meta commentary on itself in some ways. How do we feel about all of a sudden, like this is not just a good, scary haunted house movie, but now we have like an actual battle of like God versus Satan going on here. I mean, cause I thought in two, whenever we get, you know, Andy Tully's manifesto at the end, um, I thought like it was like interesting of like kind of going into this like very dark satanic like route with it. And if it was just that, like that's always fine. I love me some dark culty satanic shit. Um, but I guess like, yeah, I guess we don't really need the, uh, we don't always need the, the counterpoint within to be like, okay, well, see, we introduced the ultimate evil, but now we got to remind you that mm-hmm. good and God exists and all these things. And I don't know if that was, um, any of the things that they were kind of going for, or if they thought again, they were, you know, pulling from the Faust and then they're like, okay, well, if we, you know, uh, cause they, you know, they introduced the idea of the portal to hell in the, in the first one and, uh, and kind of what that would entail. Um, I don't know, like if you're going to kind of go for this, uh, this like tale of righteousness, um, the 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 franchise the series has been like all the characters are kind of filled with these like flawed complicated characters mm-hmm. that are you know making choices either for their jobs or for themselves or all these things and i've always thought like that morality angle is interesting but they've never really been uh concerned with like kind of going into like okay like what is a you know what does a good person look like and what is doing the right thing look like and like all this stuff and then like so then for them to have Russell be this character that, uh, again, like as a society, we've had a lot of fun shitting on these types of guys lately. Um, so then to have him have the turn at the end, it's like, oh no, he's actually the ultimate angel savior is a very mm-hmm. odd choice. Um, you know, so like, I don't know. Yeah. Every, everything with Russell, like, and them, the way that they like kind of introduced, I feel like in the second one, he was always planned to be like a dark nefarious character and then okay. i feel like something against i feel like something changed um when when they saw the reception to two i feel like that changed what they were gonna do with three yeah. because i mean there are still callbacks to two and like the things that they were setting up with the lake of fire and all these things um but i feel like they kind of maybe altered some of those plans that they originally had in two got it i don't think i ever got nefarious from his character i oh no i'm, I'm saying like the, uh, yeah. the way it was set up i thought he was mm-hmm. gonna be nef- nefarious okay. and he wasn't got it got it's just kind of sketchy yeah, yeah he's a just little awkward like, <laughs> mainly meant to be like yeah enigmatic i think is what you're supposed to get like you're hard to get a read on him 
overall, but he's ultimately comes down on the side of, of good. And maybe I think when I first watched this and as they're going through it, I kind of thought they were setting him up to be like the eccentric millionaire who's in over his head and doesn't know what he got himself into and stumbled into something like way, way bigger that way, way bigger than himself without like, kind of like Alex did, except this guy has actual money. And he's like, Oh, of course I can make this work. Like it's kind of like, um, Jeffrey Rush's character in the remake of House on Haunted Hill, who was like, hey, we have this giant haunted house and we're going to have so much fun. Okay. And then he's like, oh, shit, it's really haunted. Like, that was what they were going for with Russell Wynn's character. Like, oh, I'm going to put on my play at this, like, haunted attraction because it'll be a spook-a-blast. And then it actually is haunted. He's like, oh, I've made He's like the comic book man in The Simpsons when he says, like, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. Interesting. Uh, but no. Yeah. here he's actually he's, he's setting everything up yeah he's like the one that he, he knows something and like that's mm-hmm. and again yes. like I, I i got the feeling that like that was gonna be the case but i thought it was gonna be like he knew something yeah. in a more sinister way versus like oh no mm-hmm. he knows something that you know he's actually setting up to to save the world um yeah. but it's like uh such a such a long crusade this thing has taken because mm-hmm. like he was he was scouting this back in you know in the hell house days oh nine oh nine yeah. so it's like i find it funny that it's like yeah this nine year crusade that he had you know uh to i mean hey crusades mm-hmm. take time you know they don't happen in seven days always yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> I mean, we Indiana Jones of the Last Crusade. It wasn't actually the last one. We have two more. You know, he didn't quite finish the job. What I really like about this movie in terms of, like, how it is structured is it goes back to me like those Lake Mungo type of scares where it's more about these, like, feelings of, like, intense unease and intense dread than necessary and then things jumping out at you in every corner. Like, I thought the better parts of the second movie were things like the dude who runs into the hotel and he just sees like the lower half of a body standing completely still on a staircase. And then it just stays there. Or you have like the text messages repeating, like they have no eyes over and over things like that, where there's no necessarily big jumpy payoff, but it's a profoundly like unsettling thing because it's so, abstract and bizarre and i thought that this movie did a good job of like returning to those like the creepy figures like lurking just outside of the field of vision that when you point them out you're like oh i don't like that nope not a bit yeah um and and that's there there's something that we can actually agree on because i do uh really like those bits in in two and and i was gonna save this till the end but like kind of while we're here is like if if I was gonna uh, you know make a third movie for this and it not be this movie, it would have been like a, a kind of we're all going to the World's Fair style of like people uh, just a compilation of all these different people doing like internet things related to the Abaddon. Mm-hmm. I think that could have made just for a totally fine follow-up for the third film. Yeah. And it'd be like just a compilation of like those things. Like, oh yeah, no, I had this experience at this time, especially like when they go back to the piano boy and it's like, they have a footage from 95 of him saying Abaddon hotel opening 2009. That mm-hmm. was so fucking creepy. And like, we could have like gotten uh, more things like that showing how like, you know, this uh, force is like 
invaded Abaddon, this this town, and like I, I feel like that that definitely could have been more of the thing. So like, yeah, I'll say like a couple of the scares in this um do work, and like the mo- the more minimal ones, um uh like you know even it, like the. I mean, it's so funny, like, how different the actors from the first movie look in this movie, even though they're only, like, a few years apart, um, but, uh, but it was, um, so that kind of threw me off, but, like, those moments where it's, like, going back through, um, they're like, oh, yeah, this is Isabel's social media, and then you see, like, the dudes, like, hanging in the back, like, that, that was super creepy, and I yeah. wanted more of that. I thought there was a great, yeah, I thought there was a great set piece when Jane goes like on a dare, like, and she's drunk and she's tipsy and they're all outside and they're like, Oh, we're not. So, and I, you know, a couple of things I like, like, yeah, we're not going to stay in the hotel. Like we're, you know, we're not going to live here. We have enough like respect for it to be like, okay, this isn't where we should be. So we're going to sneak in at night is to kind of get one over on our boss because we're adults. We can do what we want. Jane going into the hotel and like when she turns the camera on herself and you see all the original Hell House crew and where this is an improvement on the second one, like you were actually able to get all of them back this time. I am sure they recast Sarah in the second movie. That one scene where she's in the hallway on the phone, like that's not the original actor playing Sarah. I didn't think so either. Yeah, I I, I didn't think so either. But but yeah, like I I think those like kind of uh the 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 more uh kind of subtle bits in this do work uh quite well mm-hmm. um it, like mm-hmm. i i even uh, really like um the callback again to like kind of some of the stuff in the previous films uh whenever they are interviewing the the preacher and when he says andrew tolley's name the voice modulator kicks in for a second just when mm-hmm. it says his name and then right mm-hmm. when that happens is when the piano kicks in in the background yes um yep. that, like that was like a, a nice like little tiny thing i was like ooh, that's cool and uh, even though that piano melody is super creepy, after watching it for three movies, then I just found myself like dancing to it by the end. I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, I kind of want this like sampled in a rap song. Like this is kind of bops a little bit. <laughs> what would you do if you were at your bar where you work and you're you've locked up for the night? You're closing up. You're putting the bar stools up. You're wiping everything down. It's just you, maybe one or two members, and somebody throws that piano tune on in the background somewhere what would you i what would you do at that moment oh man i mean i've i've seen and i've seen and had some creepy shit happen closing the bar mm-hmm. for sure and uh it, it it would get me i've 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 gotten spooked a couple times and but it's usually it's usually uh the thing that they call uh they call it abaddon eyes in this movie when they're like yeah. oh yeah no that's just a thing where you like think you saw some out of the corner of your eye i had that happen like at bar close all the time it'd be like 2 30 and like I, it would only be me and like there is a space and like and uh it was like kind of yeah. i know it was like the way that like a wall was like positioned on a mirror that like kind of gave this effect but like if you walk mm-hmm. at just the right angle it catches yeah. you and then you you get super freaked out by it but i also had at the bar um it, i always thought of it in like a in a final destination way but uh, there's this busker that would always be uh playing music outside Mm-hmm. And he had he only has a, a few songs in a set list, so it's I guess not that creepy. But all, like seventy five percent of the time that I would show up to work, he'd be playing the same song, and it was always the um, uh, "I'll Be Watching You" by Sting. 
mm-hmm. and it's so creepy. I actually took a video of him because I want to like have him in a movie singing that. But like, yeah, re- recurring song stuff is always a fun motif for me in movies. I think it's creepy to have a busker singing that in general. Like that is a really disturbing song to sing if you're a guy busking outside somewhere public because I don't know where those people have been, you know, like if he's going to just start following you around at that point and popping up. I, I'm going to post, I'll find the video and I'll post it to Twitter because this guy's a total, this guy's a total ghoul too. He might be a ghost okay. and I just don't know it. <laughs> I love that. We're like slandering this random busker now that just is like, just trying to make a few bucks, you know, now we're like, this guy is worse than Hitler. No. And that's why I'm going to put him in a movie <laughs> later and then I'll make him famous. Excellent. And that movie will be called Worse Than Hitler. <laughs> uh, so I had a thing happen the other night. Like on Thursday, I went to see The Boogeyman. And it was pretty good. Like I enjoyed it. Three, three and a half stars. Solid effort. Came home. And I'm playing Switch. And I'm lying on the floor next to my bed. Because I didn't want to wake my wife up. So, you know, I'm just like, have a pillow on. I'm lying next to the bed. And our bed is all drawers under it so it's not like you can get under it like you have to open drawers Mm. and whatever and i hear this like scratching under the bed and i'm like i am way too old for this shit like i just got back from a fucking movie about a monster that lives under the bed and now i'm hearing all this scratching under the bed i'm not opening these drawers up i am putting in some earbuds and i am going to bed and i am waking up like this is too creepy for me and apparently what happened was like someone opened a drawer at some point to get out a blanket and the cat got in there when the drawer was open, and no one saw the cat go in, and it was shut under the bed. And at first, it, I guess it just slept, like, oh, this is pretty cool, like some blankets for me to sleep on. I'll just chill here. And then it woke up and it was like, I would like to get out now, and it kept scratching under the bed to get out, and that's what happened. But Oh, yeah. yeah I'm like, those, I, I am... Gotta love those classic pet jump scares. Uh, Kyle, yeah. Kyle is good for one all the time. He loves to bark at walls just to creep me out. Um, you know, yeah. assholes. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do like getting back to Jane's set piece. Like we started 10 minutes ago. <laughs> but I, what I like about like Jane's thing, it goes back to like what worked in the first movie where you see the creepy clown. You go back to Jane. You go back to Jane again and there's the clown and its head has moved and she notices it and she doesn't like start screaming right away. It just holds on it for a really long time. And then as she starts to move, like the perspective of the clown head and it's really subtle starts to move yeah. as well. And it's really fucking, it's better than like the clown, like walking around it's really I mean honestly yeah really well done because it's on because that's actually like the first time we've actually seen it like actually move because usually it was always like they would do it with the strobe light thing you know and right. it would just like kind of you know move a different position but I do mm-hmm. like that this is the first time that like she like the way that she like looks out of the corner eye and she goes really slow to see if it's moving and just it moves ever so slightly yeah. like shout out to that uh yeah. stump performer that was a nice like little yeah a nice like little thing and then it I like how it has like a little it's a nice two parter to this scare too because then she she trips and falls on the stairs and I don't know I guess she got hurt cuz I was like why aren't you getting up but anyways mm-hmm. she's on the stairs and she's just like paralyzed with fear and it's like focused on that shot and you just hear the foot the foot uh shuffling across the dirt 
And like the, mm-hmm. the these movies do a, a a great job of like uh mixing it up on like when you are gonna see something versus when you aren't and like holding on something and being like, Okay, we're gonna hold it. Are you gonna see it? Are we gonna see it this time? And then sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, and like they yeah. do a good job of like mixing up the the timing with a lot of their scares so that way they don't uh kind of get stale. Well, this is maybe where I'll compare writer-director like Steve Cognetti to Rob Savage, who just directed The Boogeyman. Because, like, I... Savage did The Host in or Host and Dashcam as his first two movies, and they're, like, low-budget found footage. Didn't see Dashcam because I just don't have the... I really just don't have it mentally in me to follow, like, a Karen around for 90 minutes. Same, same. Um, <laughs> and... Host, I know people love. I am lower on that movie than most, but I'm like, I wanted to see what else he could do. And I'd say watching The Boogeyman, he can craft, he has a really good, like, just like James Wan does, like, he can use, like, darkness and shadow really well. And he knows how to create some really good jump scares. I would love to see Cognetti with maybe a script that isn't his and maybe a little bit more money. Cause I do think he knows how to craft some really effective scares. Like you have this one with, with Jane and then you build on that and you have like a number of like really cool set pieces. And I think it climaxes with like Harvey and the lights where, you know, it's coming. Like, you know, as soon as they say, let's go to full dark and check out these lamps, you know that this is coming, but it's really well done where you see like the girl in the nightgown positioned way in the back of the room and she moves a little bit and he has no idea what's going on. I love that as a a scare. Like I just think that that is timed really well. And I think having like the blue and red alternating lights work really well is really well for it too. Oh yeah. Like the, yeah, the, the, like he definitely does have a, a good knack for setting up uh, different scares in different ways. And especially doing this over three films in the exact same location, you know, um, is, you know, you like to really exhaust all the different options in this location is pretty tough. Um, so, mm-hmm. so like I do definitely give him credit in that way. And the one thing that I will say that like actually like got me excited when, when watching this, because I'm a sucker for it and, and found footage of like, obviously, uh, you know, sometimes you have people walking with the camera to get motion. Sometimes it comes in other fashions and there's like a, a, whenever the performance like starts going to hell and somebody gets bumped and they drop their camera on the record player on the bar. And then yep. so now we have the, the rotating camera while the, the, the dark cloaks are attacking people. That was pretty cool. Like I was like, that was very like cool. I was like, I'm into it. Like it gave me um, uh, shades of uh, the oscillating fan from Paranormal Activity Three. Yes, uh, it gave me shades of that. So I was like, I'm a, I'm a sucker for those like little um, uh, things in found footage where you can find uh, interesting ways to get different camera movements other than just somebody holding it. Yeah, and there was some moment like that in the first movie as well where you could tell that it like was highly influenced by the oscillating fan in paranormal activity three, which I think we have to cover next year. Cause that's a series that I love so much. I just uh, got the, I just got the movies. box set the other day for my birthday and gave it to myself. Excellent. So I'm, I'm prepared. Excellent. I love that. All right. So we'll put that on the, we'll put that on the list for next year. Um, let's talk about the end of this movie. Cause I think where it is weak is the third act 
like number one, like the actual climax, the showdown between Tully and Wynn is anticlimactic to say the least. Like you get three seconds of them locking hands, some CGI fire, and then you fade out at that point. Um, what do we make of Vanessa's whole plan to expose him liquidating his company and uh, what seems like a very like less than full house of attendees for opening night of insomnia? Uh, it doesn't seem like too big of a crowd. Oh, no. It was sold out for the week, apparently. <laughs> Were they selling like 10 tickets a show? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the finale. Um, yeah. It does just it doesn't work like. There's like things that they were uh, like setting up, like you know the white hallway mannequins. Like thought we were gonna get some more of that, and it's like it's literally mm-hmm. a like five second shot of like one of them turning into a monster, and it's yeah. like really like you've been like teasing that this whole time, and then yeah this this showdown, and I mean and that's the thing like I mean you can't name your movie Lake of Fire. And, like, not promise on something, like, super badass and, like, heavy metal for your ending. Like, that, w- that you should just left that as a cool thing that someone said in the last movie, which was, yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make a lake of fires. I was like, yeah, that sounds mm-hmm. cool. And then thinking we're going to see get something like that in this movie um, is a, is tough to, to promise on such a short budget. Yeah. So it's like... I know that they don't, which, and, and that's like one of the things I didn't like about the second one either is like, I don't really need the, the CGI, uh, portal gate, you know, into the wall Mm -hmm. and the fire and all that stuff. And like, and like, I mean, I guess like the hotel, like, of course, like catching fire at the end, like, okay, there, there's the Mm -hmm. lake of fire, I guess. Um, but, um, but yeah, this, uh, this, this, this climax just does not do it for me because two, even though the climax is like dumb and, but it goes balls to the wall at least like it, you know, it, it empties out the NOS tanks at the end, uh, in, yep. in two versus this one, it kind of, uh, yeah, the, the, the climax just like, it, it, it doesn't make sense. And then it kind of, yeah, makes it, I don't know. It's all a little bit incoherent because I, again, I was kind of confused on, who who's actually alive at the end if they're alive if they survived are they in limbo also are they ghosts because we also see that the ghosts also can just present as normal human beings and go on tv shows and things and hitchhike with people so like so with everything like and it's it's not a fun ambiguity either it's just ambiguity because it doesn't make sense like i really do like what you said that i think this director he is good at crafting a good scare but um his storytelling is pretty ass (laughs) see i think the first one tells a real and you might not like the way it's executed but i think it tells a pretty strong story i i really do like the way that it's set up and i think like the structure of it where and he's talked about like lake mungo as a a jumping off point for him in terms of structure i like it i and i think it boils down to like you took one movie's worth of material and now you've stretched it out to three movies and that's where it's difficult um i can respect the fact that if he's like well this is the last movie we're going to do in this trilogy let's go for something big hence you have like way more figures and black coats and you have like this what's supposed to look like a big spectacle in the basement to end things but it feels kind of like insomnia does it feels like very like amateur theater um 
They just don't have the means or the budget to really give it the kind of scope that they're going for here. Like even all the black figures kind of like stabbing the patrons, it looks there are times where it looks really silly, did you see to be quite did honest. you see they had an overhead shot of outside the hotel and they had the cloaky people running around outside them like chasing people yes. in slow motion mm-hmm. it was so goofy looking and it was and and I feel like I guess that's where my frustration is here because you know obviously you can watch these as fun spook em ups and does this deliver fun spooks it does and you're covered yeah. there. Um, does it need to have like a very intricate story or interesting one? No, it doesn't. But I guess yeah. he's trying to though. Like, I, you know, Cognetti, uh, I don't know the guy, you know, I feel bad harping on, but I'm like, he's trying to like do an expansive story and lore and mystery and all these things. But I feel like one, I feel like, again, like I feel like just certain he was going to go one way after the second film. And then I feel like he kind of shifted mm-hmm. it up a little bit because it just doesn't feel consistent with what, what that bridge movie was supposed to kind of yeah. be, I think. And then so it's like, again, so it's like I, if you're going to be like stupid and go just full stupid fun with it, then go full stupid fun. But it's like, yeah. I feel like this is stupid because it's just bad instead of like uh, just not trying to overexert themselves. So it's like oh. usually I'm usually I don't uh, get down on people for effort. I always encourage like, hey, even if it doesn't work, you tried, but he's trying really hard and it just doesn't hit. And that I feel like that's my frustration. I almost feel like because I like the story I, and I to your point, like I, what I like about part two is they're expanding the lore. Like I am a sucker for lore, even though well, I'll say that on the other hand, I don't necessarily think that this series needed it. But if you wanted to like dive deep into the lore, I almost think that they, you could use other mediums to tell this these additional stories that ne- wouldn't necessarily be cinema because like the ideas you have are much larger than what you're able to actually put onto a screen. Like I could see this working as, in all honesty, I could see it working as a narrative podcast, like where you have like audio interviews Mm. of the survivors and like recovered audio or do it as novelizations. Like, and then in my head, you, I could imagine like the big Epic scope that they're going for that just, you don't really get like that kind of payoff here visually. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree that it totally could have, like I said, like I feel like it could have just been like its own, like maybe a more comp- compilation style film. It could have been, or I could have seen that I could see this being like a Crypt TV series of like 10 minute, like little episode things. They're like 10, 15 minute little things and like be a, mm-hmm. a Crypt TV thing. Like I could totally see that working. And okay, like I listened to the episode you guys on the second one and. And I know you said, like, that movie could have been, like, a short, like, supplemental thing. And then the first yeah. and third movie kind of be a duology. I could see that mm-hmm. because of the similarities between the two of them, for sure. Um, but, but again, I just I just really like what 2 is trying to do. And I feel like I really want to see, like, what they really uh, kind of wanted to go with that route. Okay. Um, I can respect that. You know, that. I, I, I just, I kind of did. So, I don't know. But, yeah. So, and. One area where I'll agree with you in terms of where the short, the storytelling comes up short, they they set up two things in this movie that never pay off. 
Number one, they he gets something delivered to him by the priest that he immediately puts in a lock safe, and you never see it. And it's obvious that it's like some sort of like holy relic or mm-hmm. weapon of sort. You never see what it is. Like he gets it at the end, and then yeah, he like, literally okay, just shoves Andy. It. Yeah, and doesn't even use the right. thing. Like. It might as well just be, you know, like, oh, these are my favorite brands of potato chips that I got from Canada that you can't get here. And I'm locking <laughs> them in the safe because, like, none of you motherfuckers are getting their hands on Damn. them. Damn. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of if there was any items or anything of significance in mm-hmm. that third act. Nothing. No. Huh. And then the other thing, they make at least a half dozen references to wins failing wine company yes oh like we've replaced all the old wine with his and like we're not selling any of it and like we're taking they mention it like seven times throughout the movie so yeah so you get this idea that like is it supposed to be actually be something that's going to ignite the hotel and maybe that'll cause the fire but you never get any reference to it at the end like in the end we discover that like Wynn's brand of wine was super flammable and should not have been consumed by humans in any way because it could literally just you, you could breathe wrong and all of a sudden become spontaneously combust. The wine doesn't play in any way, shape, or form to the end. I of mean, the movie. it's like that so. would have it's like that would have made sense. And then, I mean, I don't know would it would it have been too morbid if like everybody in the troop was actually a fan of his wine and then it turned out to kill them. Like, w- like would that be <laughs> it too was morbid? Kool-Aid. It was the Jim Jones Kool-Aid at the end. Yeah. Like, I like, you know, so it's like, yeah, they had options. They could have went with this wine instead of it just being like a shit talk thing to like, to yeah. like, like put jabs on Russell. Like that's really what yeah. it's mainly used for. And your shitty wine. Blah, blah. Yeah. All right. So, before we end with like the coda of this movie, I'm going to kind of ask a different version of what we asked for the first movie. And the, during the first movie we were reviewing and I asked, how do you feel about Hell House as just a haunted attraction? Like if it was Halloween night, you want to go do something scary with your friends, you pay your 20 bucks to walk through this. Like, would you feel like you got your money's worth? Not like... Well, no, because like we would have died. But if it was just like a regular old haunt, how does it work? Oh, so so the it, the original haunt from the first movie. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. No, their haunt sucks. Like it's so yeah, shabby. It it's so shabby. It like it, it's it's whole like us. It, you know, we kept talking about how it was like the centerpiece in the basement. It was like. All it is is literally someone chained up, and then the clowns. Like, what? Like, what? Yeah. What was your big plan for this? You know, big set right. piece for for the final thing. Um, I don't. I, and your and your clown who has the eye trick. He has the cool eye trick. Yeah, his yeah. Eye so on. like, he's under a mask. You can't even use it. So yeah, I don't. Uh, they're, they're like, yeah, they're their haunt. It had a bar, little setup. Yeah. It had the kitchen setup. It had the basement. Like that's literally mm-hmm. about it. And like the house is like already or the yeah. uh, hotel's like kind of a maze in itself. Right. I'm not a big uh, haunted house uh, haunt person, only because I am uh, a little too reactionary. Uh, you mm-hmm. can uh, go look on my Instagram. I did. Um, because I did the press junket for uh, Hellfest whenever that happened. Okay. And they had set mm-hmm. up a uh, a little mini uh, course uh, that was like inspired by the movie. 
and I literally almost hit like three different actors because I'm a, <laughs> I, I, I told him I was like I'm a flailer okay I was like so like keep your distance like I'm, I'm sorry I can't help it and like I am literally like I almost hit like two different people um I love you for that um, that's brilliant but if you want to if you want to also hear a, a darker story which I'm curious on if um if Cognetti like came across this story by chance whenever they originally like you know they were calling for scripts for uh, a haunted house like haunt based movie um so i went to i went to a school with this gal and um uh there was a a really big haunt in st louis that was like super popular that like i live pretty close mm-hmm. to and it was like pretty famous and um and uh one of a friend of mine uh we were soft sophomore juniors in high school she worked at yeah. she worked there as one of the actresses and um uh so she she worked there and like would uh, do the performances and stuff and uh so one of the nights that she was performing they had her set up in this like bathroom area and um and she they had like a noose around her neck but like had like a, a stool for her like in the bathtub so she's like standing on a stool but like has a thing and of course she slips and so she was like actually hanging and people and she was and people thought it was a part of the attraction. And so like people just like kind of kept going and like uh, so this would have this happened in like 2011, 2010. You can it, it like made the New York Times and everything. Did she die? Uh, no. So uh, because oh, so okay. thank goodness um, she uh, she did live because they had like people that would go check on her like every like 15, okay. 20 minutes. So luckily somebody was doing the rounds and then found her. Um, unfortunately, it she literally was in a coma for like a month or two and then like had like wow. some like uh, memory uh, issues associated with it. Um, but like this is in the New York Times. It happened in Fenton, Missouri. Uh, you can look it up. I think it was the Creepy World attraction. Um, it was like 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, so, so I asked, I remember asking the Hellfest people if they had heard the story whenever they were writing their their film and they they had no idea like oh my god you should have saw chris peck over his face whenever i told that story to him and he was uh he was just like oh my god no we had never even heard of that like we just thought it would be terrifying so i wonder if cognetti uh was aware of this story by chance is it um i I see creepy worlds right here and i see their website there's a trailer for it it looks like a very up-to-date website so yeah, it is still open, like creepyworld.com. Uh, well, it, yeah, well, Creepy see. World was like a it, like the overarching thing, and then they had like three different haunts within it or something like that at the time. But I, I, I'll shoot it to you whenever um, we're not recording. Here we go. Yeah, Jessica Rue slipped off a yep. tub and got her net. So I have uh, some uh, – we'll put up some links to a couple of these articles from – 20 like jesus christ that is horrifying yeah like wild i mean because you know like in a movie when you hang someone they're in a harness like they're not with the noose like wow that is yeah but but so that's what i thought at the end of the first movie when she's like you know shackled up and she's yelling to the people like no this is not a part Mm -hmm. of the show it's not a part of the show and like the people are like confused like uh, is she lying or is this part of the show you know so like that that fear and so i wonder yep. if he you know kind of tapped into some of that when he was uh writing this interesting interesting i wanted to know this i'm going to paint you a little picture right here i'm going to paint you a picture you meet a lady 
Let's say you meet the barkeep who you find intimidating. <laughs> one night, in one night, you decide to chat her up and you find out like she's lovely and learned and is a fan of the theater. And you're like, hey, you know, I use my media connections and I've got two tickets to the hottest new play or interactive theater experience called Insomnia. And you know, I've got this extra ticket. How about you and me kind of like go to this together? And you take your lady to this and you're excited. How is Insomnia as a live theatrical experience for you? Do you feel like you're disappointed in this play? I mean, am, Do you feel like it's worth it? I mean, am I going with the in-universe canon that it is uh, the show being performed at a rumored ho- haunted hotel? Do I know that information? It, Okay. Because so that's part of the is, catch for, for okay. them doing Insomnia on this one. is like, oh, yeah, so we're also doing it. Everything is the same as it is in Hell Else 3, except, like, Andrew Tully's not coming with his minions. Like, you're just going for a night of theater. And, yes, it is taking place at a rumored haunted hotel. And the play goes off uh, without a hitch. And you walk out of there, and what do you think? Oh, I'm totally. I mean, I'm totally going for sure. Um, I mean, we don't get to see the full performance, but I mean, I, I think you see the full performance. I think, I think, I'm sorry, I think Faust. I, but I think Faust is a fun story. I think uh, okay. I would if I heard that there was, and because the thing is, this would totally happen in L.A. Like, there's all sorts mm-hmm. of alternative theater uh, wacky shit going on, and and we watch projector movies in cemeteries. Like this mm-hmm. is the, like so. This would totally be a, a alternative theater thing in a haunted hotel. Um, I mean, I do believe in haunted shit because I've seen some shit in my life, and uh, I would, Same. I would totally go. Uh, I'm taking a, okay. I'm taking a date if she's into it. Um, but do you think it would be good? Um, do you know what I mean? Like, no. do you think this would be a good? Okay, because that was my. Because here's the thing: we've spent so much time in this building in this hotel, and. It, and I know, like, we've seen a lot of it and everything, and like it, like it does have its like confusingness aspect to it. But it's, it's not like it's just shabby, but like not shabby in a creepy way. It's really just a mm-hmm. shabby building, so it's like it, it yeah. it's honestly not all that creepy. And even like the things that they do to it in the first one don't make it that creepy. And then they're right. really not trying to be creepy in the third right. one. They're just trying to make it to where they can do their show. Um, so mm-hmm. it's like, it, I feel like the atmosphere isn't really all that creepy. So, um, I would be focused in on the play and, uh, their actors don't seem all that great. So, um, that is the thing too, is like, I'm watching <laughs> Max walk around being, uh, Mistopheles and I'm like, he's not very good. And Greg is Faust again, like Greg's claim to fame is he was tree number three in a Shakespeare in the park play with Amy Adams. Like his, that was his biggest role to date was playing like tree. Like, like I think Jane says at one point, two people in the play were better at being a tree than you. Uh, that is like your lead actor in this. So, okay. So tell me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm pretty sure I am. Cause they didn't try hard enough. If this was the case, I thought Max was going to be the guy that they were talking about who sucked. Uh, in in the first movie, remember they're talking about the guy that they uh, the actor they used to work with um, that like had the bad accent. I don't think so. I no, I don't think because because so. they said he was playing like Lucifer in in that thing that right. they were doing. 
Um, so I no. wondered if that was a, because because uh, Russell Wynn's group is from New York also. So yep. so I wondered. So they missed a big opportunity with like they love to bring in past characters and references and stuff. Sure, he could have been that guy that they were shit talking in the first movie. That would have been awesome. It's no because that one like if you remember that dude had a heavy like they when they imitate him yes a heavy exactly like, Brooklyn, yeah like New York accent and Max does not definitely does not yeah. and Max is like you know like oh yeah man I've seen Hell House like I own the DVD like this shit is cool like he doesn't make any reference to like yeah yeah I had worked See? with him in one uh, of their yeah. previous haunts which would have been cool another missed that opportunity. Yeah, you're right, because you could have been, like, one of the original, like, Hell House LLC actors. Like, you could have, like, Wynn could have marketed that. You're right. Like, that yeah, would have been yeah. a pretty neat little thing. So you are another one. I mean, like, God, I feel like you're bringing me over to your side, and I kind of, like, do like this movie. And I will say, like, one of the things that I like, even though it kind of breaks the... And we'll end here. It breaks the world of the movie is the coda where, all right, the hotel is burned down. Uh, Vanessa is like doing her like post insomnia interview and they reveal that like, and again, and this you really movie, don't think she is a ghost or evil when she's doing those interviews. I don't know. I something don't, seems off don't, with her. Well, I think she's been through a trauma, but not in that way though. She seems too calm about it yeah, is what I, I mean. I've seen I don't because I think every time that you have like an evil ghost like you do with Sarah in part one and Jessica in part two like it's revealed I think that this is and also you have like uh, the other talking head as well so it's you have multiple talking heads and you have the producer so I don't think it's like any and like that that they the other two persons weren't part of the um crowd that was in there so it's revealed that like russell was like an angel on earth and it's a conceit that this series likes they've used it three times they've used this three times now that this angel on earth is here um so they really like to go to that well and he's come he's closed the portal and now the abaddon is burned down but then you kind of like cut back to the first movie or one of the scenes of the first movie and it's Paul without his throat cut and he's back at the Abaddon with his friends. What do we think of this coda and them being trapped in the hotel for eternity? I mean, it's whatever, I guess. I don't know. It just makes no, <laughs> s- it, it just like, I was just like, okay, what are, I don't even know. Like, what are we doing? Also, if this is limbo now, where is uh, where's Mitchell and Diane and Sarah and Jessica? Uh, That's a really uh, good where, point. Where, where are they at? Uh, or well, no, Sarah was there, but yeah, where's where's literally everybody else from the second movie then? Mm-hmm. Um, if this is uh, kind of be a thing, but then I don't know what were they going for of them like accepting it yeah. and being like. Oh well, we're in limbo now. Let's go have a drink, and I'm like, oh guys, <laughs> like I they mean, I'm endeared to the gang. No, like it, mm-hmm. it was so weird. They don't even like, I don't know. They they could have had had something more sinister with Alex going on. I don't know. It just it, I don't know what the tone was supposed to go for. Is it supposed to kind of be supposed to be hopeful, but still not because obviously like they're just trapped in limbo. That's still sad, yeah. but I don't know. It was, it was all, all kinds of weird. And then, yeah, just like Russell's just like, I closed the portal 
we're stuck yeah. here. And they're just like, all right. Uh, and I don't know. that No. So it's... I'm of two minds of it. Because you're right. It doesn't necessarily make sense with the rest of the in-world of the movie. And the other thing I'm wondering, like, was this supposed to be, like, captured on film as well? Like, is it part of the documentary? Or have we now, like, broken the world of the documentary? And it's just... But... So, number one, I'm not sure if I'd want to be trapped in limbo for eternity with Russell. Because he kind of seems a little bit like a drag. Oh, yeah. Just like... Uh, he just seems like he might be a bit much. Um, you don't get any resolution on Mitchell, Mitchell or in Jessica and Brock and Molly. Like that is like, do they get brought back? Like, do you find out that like, oh, they've been resurrected as well? But I don't think that's you do because like it's hinted like, nope, you just find out they disappear. So nobody really cares about them. Yeah, I don't know. They they just uh, yeah they they they're just kind of they're missing. And then there's, like, also, like, right before the Coda 2, like, there's, like, a weirdness where um, um, Vanessa is, like, now she's, like, all endeared to Russell and, like, oh, yeah, because mm-hmm. he saved us all and, like, now he's the savior. And she's, like, because, like, in those clips, she's, like, in, like, she, like, it sounds like she uh, has, like, positive thoughts about him. But then, like, every other time it's, like, no, she fucking, like, really doesn't like this dude. So, I don't know. It's... The the whole, I, like, lead into, like, how we're supposed to feel about Russell also in this coda is confusing. I kind of got the feeling throughout the movie that she was very enamored of Russell. Like, yeah, there were things she didn't like, but she wanted the D. Is oh, pretty much how so? I felt. I wasn't feeling it. Watching her interact with Russell. Like, she was into him. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't get so, that vibe at all. But, eh, yeah. I don't know. But with the coda, I like that it's Paul who, after about 30 seconds, is like, eh, fuck it. Let's just go see if there's any booze at the bar. And there is something like it's a bit somber, but there is something kind of a little bit hopeful about, well, if we're going to be stuck in limbo, I'm going to be stuck in limbo with like my best friends for all of eternity. Yeah. And I, in, and I, I guess so again because they're the the first movie did like always push like yeah they have this bond and they've done and like mm-hmm. I, and yeah I get there's supposed to be camaraderie but again like I guess uh, uh, since I never established that from the get go this this coda does not have that uh, emotional sting for me that yeah it, I guess has for other people maybe I don't know I do worry about Sarah because like I would not want to be Sarah trapped with paul for all eternity oh my god hell no dude is a fucking sex pest i'm sorry creeper mcgee oh my gosh and like but and also she was a ghost that like was able to leave the house so why is she stuck Mm -hmm. in limbo why didn't she get resurrected that would have been interesting i think now the portal is closed so maybe they can't leave oh yeah i guess so that might be it. All right. Any final thoughts on Hell House LLC 3 is a movie or the series as a whole? Uh, I know that Lake of Fire sounds cool, but they totally missed the opportunity just to call this Hell House LL3. Um, that should have just been the title. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've said I've said all my uh, the th- things that I could uh, make coherent about this yeah. movie. It's so funny. Like my typical for like uh, why I take notes on a movie, I'll have like, 
you know, I just like take a, a streamline of like bullet points. They're not very organized. Mm-hmm. And usually there's about, I don't know, 50 to 60 bullet points in there or something. Uh, this movie had 17. Uh, that's how, oh, that's how yeah. little I had to write down about this movie. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, I don't know where the, I know the, the next movie is supposed to be a prequel, right? So, um, I mean, I'm always down for prequels. I know other people, um, are less optimistic about them than I am, but like for me, uh, is prequel means we're not hanging out with Alex and the gang. So I'm in. Um, I don't think I'm going to watch the first or third movie ever again, but I feel like, uh, two's going to make, uh, I'm going to throw that into some movie night watches. Interesting. Interesting. I feel like I can okay. watch two by itself and really not. And okay. it, I feel like I could show somebody two without them seeing one and it'd be all right. Honestly. I think you could do that. Cause I think it does a good job of like setting up. Yeah. I could see, I don't think you can watch a third one without no. seeing the first. Yeah. But I think you could watch part two in its own. I do agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's going to be um, me now. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I love the first movie. I think it's a phenomenal found footage movie. I, For me, part three is a bit of a rebound over part two. I, I Outside of that first half hour of part two, I don't think it has much going for it. I thought this one was a bit of a jump forward, I think, because it goes back to the basics overall so i think we've had a i've had a good time kind of like jokingly pick apart some things in it but i hopefully we i was able to discuss some things we really liked as well and i'm fascinated to see where the prequel goes like will it be found footage like will it be just like home move because it's called the carmichael manor so i wonder if it's going to be about before this place was a hotel but we'll see i guess yeah i don't know if they're gonna because like the earliest that they would be able to make it a found footage would be like what when when we had 70s we still had we had like early camcorders right to be the 80s like when did we get the the like early camcorders would have been what early 80s i guess or mid 80s okay so yeah that's the earliest that this could take place and totally died in 89 89 uh, but Carmichael Manor, yeah, that sounds like a period piece. I mean, if that's a, if, we'll if, if they, I, I, I feel like I, it's a Ginger Snaps three situation where it goes way back in time. Yeah, but but that one is never found footage though, so I feel like yeah, it yeah. would be kind of odd with the fourth movie to drop mm-hmm. the found footage angle. So I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll see. I'm Maybe gonna watch it be because like I'm a, a completist. I'm yeah. gonna watch it, but I'm not. I'm don't. We'll see. My my expectations are tempered. All right. Well. On that note, Devon, let's let's pitch some stuff. What's going on with the Spectre Cinema Club? Yeah, so Spectre Cinema Club, we uh, we just wrapped up actually like our best month that we've had in like a year and a half doing some remake comparisons. So definitely go back and check out some of those episodes. Uh, uh, they did really well. Um, but now we are, of course, in Pride Month and we are doing a celebration of camp for our annual Pride coverage. Um, which I'm very excited about, uh, you know, to kind of just, uh, you know, a lot of Pride Month, uh, you know, we typically kind of get into like a lot of like more personal stuff and like things like that, which is always great. And we love that. But uh, I'm excited to actually just like have a really silly goose time um, with uh, mm-hmm. with uh, the uh, all of our camp picks for this year. So. Uh, super stoked for that. Uh, we do new episodes every Tuesday on all podcast platforms. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Spectre Cinema. And then you can find me at underscore Daddy Disco. Um, I've made uh, some other appearances on uh, uh, Canal's uh, Sinister Cinema lately, Church of Tarantino, um, as well as um, 
lays and ligaments. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a podcast slut. I hop around. So, you know, just find me on Twitter and you'll Excellent. see where I'm at. Excellent. Well, listeners, you can find myself at Mike underscore Snoonian. Uh, you can listen to, you can go back and listen to the archives of psychoanalysis, a horror therapy podcast that we ended that show, but we put together 148 phenomenal episodes. Make sure you're following our show at pod and pendulum over on Twitter. Uh, you can visit pod and as well, uh, to go through all of our archives. You can subscribe to us from there. We have all our back episodes. I think the next thing I need to do is do a contributors page and for all of our co-hosts so that you can very easily find all of their other projects, uh, with a little bio and everything. So you can kind of click on very easily specter cinema and losers club and movies for life and everything. We're all, uh, involved in aside from the pod and the pendulum um very quickly like this is the month of june we are going to be relaunching our patron page this month i'm going to record some solo stuff this later this weekend for it and then steven and i are going to be joined by a guest and we're going to be recording on the 1973 heist drama set in boston and the south shore of massachusetts the friends of eddie coyle one of my favorite uh one of my favorite heist movies of all time starring robert mitchum and peter boyle uh, that'll be on our patron page and it's going to be kind of a trial balloon for a project that we're going to be launching later this this summer outside of the pod and the pendulum a bunch of us will be uh doing uh, but you can go to patreon.com slash uh pod and the pendulum become a patron today for right now as low as two bucks uh that will get you bonus content i think the highest tier will be five bucks where we throw extra stuff there we may have a tip jar for a buck where you get uh, a thank you uh here and there but it'll be a great way to support the show and we all have a bunch of ideas of how to keep that thing humming along so go to patreon patreon.com slash pod and the pendulum and become a patron today we'll put a link here in the notes for it as well here's what we have coming up uh, it is going to be a busy summer over here like i am out of school in two weeks which means like once uh the school's let out i basically work one day a week at my other job so my plan is to record as much as possible and get stuff in the can uh for the month of june we're going to have like john carpenter june we're going to be doing standalone efforts of the horror master himself we have a few films lined up that we're going to be discussing starting in july we are going to uh, dip our toes in the water with our next big franchise and we're going to be covering the mother of all shark movies when we talk about jaws so we have four films in that franchise uh, all of them of equal quality and importance, of sort of, <laughs> of course. But um, I can tell you that I've already started my research into uh, that first episode, and it's, it should be a doozy. I mean, like Jesus, Devon. I said we do this in sixty minutes, and we're like pushing an hour forty. Oh yeah, I, I, so, I giggled at that at the very beginning. I was like, I was like sixty minutes. I was like, we'll see if we can get this in sixty minutes. Up. 
pack of but has it felt like an hour no, 40 like it's not, not felt like an hour 40 definitely not. there's nothing better than talking movies with friends um but all i'm saying is like maybe pack an overnight bag for the jaws episode uh so we'll be covering jaws and then we go right from jaws into the summer of saw so we are going to be covering all 10 saw movies throughout the summer and the fall. Let's go. As is the Spectre Cinema Club as well, right? Well, so we actually, we adjusted our, our plan a little bit to where I still get okay. some Saw goodies, but then, uh, so we're, uh, for October, uh, we're going to do uh, Death Games, uh, and then we're going to do like a, we're going to do like a, a giant jumbo episode for Saw 10 and just like kind of do like okay. a, we're going to review that one and then do like our rankings and stuff. So that'll be okay. like a, a Halloween special. So, so I'm, so Got I'm, it. so I'm going to be riding with you guys for, for, for Saugust. Uh, I'm, 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 August. I'm, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. I think we have Saugus and Sawtober. Uh, Sodom is there going to be the other, or just yeah, uh, Sodom. So we're gonna have a lot of names. Because Sodom, so yeah, Sodom, Sodom, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. So that should be a good time. And listeners, like I'm really excited because I'm either going to become like Ryder Docs. I've never seen, I haven't seen three, four, five, six, seven, Spiral. And obviously the new one. Right? Oh, so really this is the it. this is our this is our chance to finally convert you. This is yeah. our last gasp chance. If we because if we can't get you in the marathon, then then you're then you're just not in the saw fam. But we're we're gonna try after after part two. I was out. I tapped oh, out. What? I'm like nope, these aren't for three. Is like the I best one. Part two. So um, that's why I'm fascinated. We'll see what we think. But again, like I'm weird. Like I do, I do a. A podcast about franchises. I've never seen a Mission Impossible movie. Me I've neither. never seen a Fast and Furious movie. Oh, um, buddy. Yeah, so I've tapped out. On, I've never even put my toes in the water we, in some of these. So. Literally half of our panel is all obsessed. We're all in the Fast Fam. Wait, wait, come on, Mike. I know. Come on, Mike. You're I mean, a quarter mile yeah. behind. You don't even get that reference because you're not in it. <laughs> I'm not. I've done the Fast and the Furious ride at Universal Studios, and it sucked. So if if the if the movies are better than the ride, I've seen Hobbs and Shaw. That's the closest I've. Does that count as a Fast and Furious? Uh, it's movie? Uh, it's from uh, the the Book of Fast. Yes. Um, it, okay. It, 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 so it's a, it's kind of it's a, it's a it's a side quill, but it's okay. very it's still different than the Fast movies. But um, but uh, it, it but I'll say it works similarly like with the Saw franchise. I feel like when you get to do the marathon and you binge it, that's when you like get the full appreciation for it because. I might have to do that this summer. Then yeah. I might have to just like watch all ten of these movies uh, come summertime and just like turn my brain off because I'll have like not only do I have the summer off essentially like starting like once school lets out and like my counseling job of the school ends until the fall. Once that lets out, my wife and daughter also travel to the UK on their own from like the middle of July to the end of August. So I have like basically seven or eight weeks or it's just me and the pets. So I can just like hide in the basement, fire up the projector and I could probably, probably watch all 10 of those movies in two days. Oh yeah. Easily. Easily. Yeah. All right. So we'll see. We'll get some thoughts on those. Maybe we'll do a bonus like patron episode of just like, 
my thoughts right after watching all 10 of those yes. in two days. Yes, Like please. very stream of conscious. Maybe I'll start talking like Vin Diesel. <laughs> uh, who knows? All right, listeners, thank you for putting up with me uh, for these past four minutes here. Uh, again, like, thank you. Like our, our numbers have been phenomenal. We've seen great growth already this year. Numbers I did not think we were going to hit. And I really appreciate all of my co-hosts for that because i think we bring some awesome voices to the table and i thank you the listeners as well so thanks for your reviews we've gotten a few recently that we really appreciate thank you for the kind words if you have not already i'll just sign off with this go ahead and rate review and subscribe to us everywhere you get your pods go where you'll never miss, miss an episode and it helps other people find us and on that note we've packed our bags We've taken the mint off the pillow, we've stolen some towels, and we have checked out of the Abaddon Hotel for now, and we'll be back very soon with the master of horror himself, John Carpenter. Take care, y'all.